Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Dream Factory. You know the Dream Factory. It's the world's greatest user-generated movie creation podcast. The rules here in the factory are very simple. Wear a hard hat and we can discuss as many of your film ideas as we like, but only one can be taken to the next stage where the initial screening of the successful film will be disturbed by a deafening alarm sent to all the nation's pages simultaneously. I'm Joel, a man who puts the bell into the alarm bells are ringing and across from me is John Harris, a man who on Sunday was just happy to receive a push notification. Isn't that right, John? (laughs) <laughs> Very good. It must have been interesting in the cinemas because it really tested that, you know, turn off your phones and no one really does. Oh, no, we always just put it on silent. So, yeah. I live on silent mode. I don't think my phone's been off silent mode in a decade. Sometimes if my child and partner are asleep, I will put my phone on loud so that when they wake up, I can run up and grab my son, right? Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. if later in the day, the phone is still on loud, it is the weirdest feeling in the world to hear ring mm-hmm. to- like notifications. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. Odd. Is your phone alarm one of the more aggressive presets or a more melodic, harmonious? I, I mine's quite mine's quite sort of Snow White and the birds are coming to land on her hands kind of sound. I, I, this is an odd thing because I do have an alarm that goes on and off every day, but I couldn't tell you what it sounds like. Weird. Such that's, weird. A, that's weird. That's weird. Well, a lot of the time I wake up before my alarm, to be fair. One ringtone thing I did do, which is incredibly nerdy, but I think you'll appreciate, Joel, is my... Text alert tone back in the day. It's a generational thing, isn't it? Back in the day, like we did have text alert tones and stuff. And then there was this moment where we all decided, I think basically the moment came to the point where we were all looking at our phones so much that we didn't need notifications anymore because within two minutes we were going to be looking at it anyway. That's probably right. Yeah. But it used to be the menu sound from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That is good. Like it's like wearing your nerdiness, but in a way that only a real geek would notice. Yeah. Only other geeks. So it doesn't matter. You're not not going to get judged. It's not like I'm wearing a big Mario t-shirt. It's just a little... To anyone else, they'd be like, that's a retro sound. It would be funny if every time you got a text, it just went, yahoo! <laughs> it's a me! <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But anyway, we're not here to um, to talk about ringtones of the past and sharing songs over Bluetooth and being young and not having Five pains pa- in our knees. People paid £5 a week just to have ringtones. Was it Jam- Jamster or something? Were they the so, guys? And every every music channel, every advert was about ringtones. There's some guy out there that founded that company, made a billion pounds, and then was never heard from ever again. <laughs> right. 
film ideas from the listeners. Here we go. Here's one from Nathan. We fought a zoo. In order to escape a zoo in chaos, our heroes must fight the escaped animals on their way out. That's very, very, very good. Just, uh, I mean, the title alone is enough, you know. Which animal would you most like to see Matt Damon punch? Oh, what would be funny? Well, I think like we a big snake not... would be quite funny. You know when the snake a rears their head, snake, ready to yes. strike, and if he just socked it one in the mouth, that'd be quite good. I think the, the, where this film might fall down is that a lot of the animals in the zoo would rip you limb from limb without a second's notice. Like, if you're anywhere near the monkey enclosure, we've all seen that Louis Theroux documentary, one of those monkeys is just going to tear your face off. <laughs> So there is something, and it is that Louis Theroux documentary, and I think other people have said there is something so specific that when it comes to chimps, it, the threat is the always tearing. Why? I also it's don't not, really know what it means. It's like you don't say they don't, like, they don't you know, like rip. They're not. Then they're just holding like a perfect replica of your face in the air, are they? They've ripped off. It looks like sort of a pancake. Chimps will tear your are. face off. Swans will break your arm. Between them, yeah. they've got you Why down. Have they got such like specific attacks. <laughs> If you approach a swan with your hands behind your back, it doesn't, it panics. It doesn't know what to do. And you can quite easily, trust me, take it from me. You can quite easily kick it to death. Because <laughs> when you said that's why, that's, why be- a swan, that's why a swan will never attack a horse or a dog. No arms. So, they don't know what to do. When you said a funny, a funny image, this like, look, Peter will not be happy about this. My friend, my friend, Peter. <laughs> he loves uh, animals. Yeah. Um, I thought of a meerkat. Just, just imagine it flying sort of ragdoll style. <laughs> like he's playing whack-a-mole. He's like playing whack-a-mole with the meerkats as they're, they're popping up. <laughs> Speaking of meerkats, there's a pub very near me. That has a meerkat? Well, very near my family home. And a guy, like a mad Willy Wonka style man took over the pub and has also turned it into like a small zoo for exotic animals that the people of Kent can no longer look after. And it's got like some wild cats and it's got loads of meerkats there. And you can go and have Sunday lunch or, you know, do a pub quiz. It's a pretty standard kind of pub. But in the big garden, there's like loads of wild animals. Because How do you feel about that, John? It's a nice family day out, I reckon. It's, I mean, to be fair, that would I would love to go to the pub and know that my son is going to be entertained sufficiently <laughs> by animals. Like that, that does work for me. Yeah, there was that. There's a weird thing, wasn't there? Where like I'm gonna say the 70s, where they made exotic animals illegal, and so mm. apparently a bunch of people just let them loose in forests and stuff. And that's why, allegedly, that's why you have these like the beasts of the Bodmin Moor. They're just like some, some like 30 yeah. year old panther that was going around killing people. Not people, just animals. <laughs> yeah, killing um, people would be more of a concern. There's lemurs, meerkats. Okay. There's a fox, which I'm I'm not really sure I'm having that. That's like saying As the a pigeons. London, is as a London resident, that's sort of like having, yeah, exactly. It's like having a rat. Flamingo. A flamingo. Flamingo is cool. You just wouldn't believe there was a flamingo anywhere in Kent, would you? No. But. And my concern is they're not giving that flamingo enough shrimp, so it wouldn't be pink. So people are just, it's just sort of like a tall bird. Sort of a big heron. But there you go. There's a, a pub in Kent with wild animals. Anyway, Matt Damon. Yeah, I think he's, I think we sort of, this is like Fast and Furious style. So he is strong enough to punch a gorilla in the face and not feel the repercussions. Cool. And kill a hippo. Yeah, he re- no, well, he doesn't kill them. He sort of wrestles them to the ground. Maybe that's it. Peter won't be so upset. Um, he's told me if they just sort of wrestle. Maybe he's he just tames one and rides it. He rides a hippo because we all know famously yeah. most dangerous animal uh, in Africa allegedly. And what body part do they generally go for? Big toe. Oh, I. <laughs> and that's what they say about a hippo. The safest place to be is on its back. <laughs> so if you're ever, if you are ever in the wilds of Africa. And a hippo is coming towards you. Just hop on its back. Mount it. Just mount it. Mount it. I reckon that works with most dangerous animals. Just mount it. If you're, if you're in the plains, in the Serengeti, and a lion is coming for you, 
just mount it. Mount it, grab its, grab its mane. And you're, in, you're the daddy then. You're in charge. Because, you know, with bears, they say uh, one, of them on you have to, one of them you have yeah. to run in a certain direction. One of them you have to stay, play dead, right? Whether it's a black bear or a brown bear. Both of them, mount them. You're well, fine. John, where do you think we get the phrase bear hug from? <laughs> you jump behind it. You give it a big cuddle. You're all friends. <laughs> What's the biggest animal you think you could stay on the back of the longest? You can't say horse. They're built for it. They're built, they've got, they've got biggest- saddles. Oh, there, there are dogs that are big enough, right? A big St. Bernard would probably You're- take my weight for a f- t- five minutes. <laughs> I'd love to see you walking around on a big St. Bernard. <laughs> I don't think there's any word. Out- I'm not getting on a hippo. Elephant. You would, make actually- your lo- you would make your local press if you were riding around the town of Ware <laughs> on the back of a St. Bernard. <laughs> there he goes. Every town needs their eccentric and it would be me. Yeah. Elephant's a good one because people do sit on the backs of elephants. Is that fine? Do they like it? I've never I've never really understood. I've got a few. I feel weird about horse riding. People can let me know. And I've done some horse riding. Do they like it? Uh, I, what I would say is, based on my very limited knowledge, horse people will not like you asking that question. No, I know. But do you know what, do you know what else I really, I really don't like to see? Do you know what I don't like to watch? A horseshoe being put on. It freaks me out, man. I've never seen that. It freaks me out. Look, I get it. That little bit on their hoof is just like hoof material. It's not like my foot. But I can't look at it without imagining my own foot having a big metal sole being nailed into it. They're big, yeah. thick old nails. And then they, yeah, shave, not- they shave the hoof. I'm not saying I'm pro or anti it in any way, but I guess, yeah, to them, it's like if you grew out your nail long and then pierced the end of the nail. I know it is. I know it is. But it just, I don't like, I don't like to see it. And I get that it's fine, horse people. I don't want to turn all of the horse listeners against me. They'll send the cavalry after me. If you're a listener and a horse person, please let us, not like a centaur, but actually, no, take it back. Now we're talking. (laughs) Get in touch. Do Do centaurs put on their own horseshoes? (laughs) Do centaurs listen to podcasts? What about this one from Oscar? Tent. Camping with time travel. Now, I assume that's a play on Tenet, right? I assume so. Yeah, that's where <laughs> our heads all went. It's just taking out the second E. So, I like it. What, what, what about, like, maybe, like, based in a festival? Maybe, what if it's... Oh, it's all the different years of the festival. Oh, so, I like your idea. My thought was somebody's got, like, a really stacked lineup. Like, Glastonbury, every year you go to... Every year you go to Glastonbury. Oh, and like you can't I've, make... You can't make them all of the times. Exactly. So some, but there has to be some sort of terrible repercussion. It can't can't just be guilt free. Something has to be happening as a result of them using this. Some kind of tent. Ca- some kind of butterfly effect. But I, but scenario. I also like your idea that every time they go in the tent, maybe they come out and it's a previous year at that festival. That would be fun. So first morning they wake up and they think, hmm, weird, and they go to grab like some deodorant and they come back out and another year has gone back and before you know it, they're stuck in the eighties. Is it? Now, is it happy, fun, adventure time travel or is it like the film About Time and our protagonist is going back in time to see a younger version of himself or a friend or something like that? That's actually, the more I think about it, John, a heartbreaking thought. Some sort of trying to recapture the youth by going, our our middle-aged protagonist goes to Reading Festival in a time-travelling tent so that he can warn his 16-year-old self about a wasted life. Well, and the thing about um, Reading Festival is... You're basically middle-aged by the age of about 20 at Reading Festival, so... That's a good point. On the subject of sort of like about-timey, cryy, cryy stuff, I saw a... Tra- I went, when I went to see Dungeons & Dragons the other weekend, I saw a trailer for a film called The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Are you aware of this at all? Yeah, I, I'm i aware. It's Jim Broadbent's turn to do one of these British films, right? Yeah, it's like a guy who becomes a widow and then he walks really far. Yeah, he just walks <laughs> to the other side of the country. Yeah. Uh, but like even watching the trailer, I was yeah, like, Yeah, oh I saw the trailer God. and... yeah. 
I thought I, I would I would be incredibly cynical about that film and also cry from minute one to minute <laughs> 95. I'd, the whole time think, this film, I know exactly what this film is trying to do and it's succeeding. Yeah. Sort of like when they, you eat at McDonald's. They are manipulating me to do what I'm doing right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This film, 100% effective. It's, it's completely doing what it's set out to do and I'm sort of annoyed, um, but it's delivering. Good stuff. The unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry. That feels... That feels so ripe for the for Dream Factory treatment. Yeah. Harold Fry up? Yeah, I don't, don't know. There's something there, listener. Send in some uh, unlikely, unlikely pilgrimage, pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Harold Fry. Dream Factory Crikey. those up. Hey, how about this one from Beck? Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. A Scottish chef who smokes their own salmon in barrels. It's good. There's not a lot of plot. <laughs> so how well, do we guy how do you guy rich it up? Exactly. Well, the problem is, I would say Guy Ritchie's sort of antithetical to Scotland in many ways. He's so Cockney. Well, that's it. The Cockneys go to Scotland. Maybe smoked salmon is like they want to steal the smoked salmon, or maybe their governor, who's head of the gang, John, mm. has got a real taste for smoked salmon. Yes, and he wants a specific, you know, the good stuff that he had on a little trip to Scotland. And so they kidnap this. Yes, they incredible. make him do the yes. So they the so the, the he comes to London and at, and as the gang reveals to their boss that they've got the thing, he goes, "Smoke salmon's Cockney rhyming slang." I wanted <gasps> a- Alison Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> I love Alison Hammond. I was really. I wanted you to kidnap. I wanted you to kidnap. I wanted you to kidnap Alison Hammond. <laughs> but the problem is, what they didn't realise is that the smoked salmon chef, he was a member of a fierce rival Scottish gang. 100%. And so they send their heavies down. And then yeah. we've got a gang war. We've got salmon, we've got Hammond, and we've and you, got the You'll East never London guess crew. what unites them at the end. You'll never guess who unites them at the who end. Who brings them to, with a big sing-song <laughs> in a theatre. <laughs> a big musical number. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Alison Hammond. <laughs> ah, oh, that wins this week. That's the best <laughs> film idea we've ever had. <laughs> very good there we go oh, alright let's call stuff. it a day I think we're done I think short episode but bloody hell it's high in quality <laughs> right what about this one from Josh Disney Pixar's Emmental so that is playing off Disney Pixel's Elemental which is basically a city where fire, water, land and air residents live together and I think a water lady and a fireman fall in love sort of Romeo oh, he's, and well, he works for the style. fire brigade or <laughs> He's literally made out of fire, Joel, right? But um, how do they how do they, you know consummate? Mm. How do they kiss? Well, it's 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 a lot more risky. Oh, I was gonna say it's more risky for the guy than the girl, but I'd say it's more risky for the guy. It's way more risky for the guy, because she's gonna extinguish him. Very true. Unless he's a um electrical fire, in which case <laughs> it's a nightmare for her. Is he an electrical fire? Is he maybe maybe he's a chip pan fire? <laughs> So in which case they need to get the tea towel element. <laughs> and dab a little bit of the water. Which is that, the, the fifth element is tea towels, as we all know. <laughs> it's earth, wind, fire, water, and tea towel. That's what this the world is, the universe is made up of. So right, okay, so... Amentos is cheese. Ex- explain, explain this Pixar, Pixar film to me. Oh. So there's five districts. No, well, there's four, Earth, right? water, fire, wind, and tea towel. That's what you just said. <laughs> yes, Sure. Are we, are we just trying to guess the plot for Elemental instead of doing Emmental? Is this what's happening here? Well, I think it's a good start. I think it's... And then, uh, yeah, well, once we've worked out the plot for Elemental, we'll say, okay, listener, imagine that, but it's all cheese. 
<laughs> um, a fiery young woman. Oh, so apologies. A fiery young woman and a go with the flow guy discover something <laughs> elemental. How much they actually have in common. And Alison Hammond plays the voice of the teeter. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, there's no tea towel. What oh, are you talking about? Why did you bring out the tea towel then? <laughs> there is a t- no. There's um. There's was it muslin that for making the cheese in Emmental? There we That's go. The, the, you can't escape it. So are the four? What are the four elements of cheese? Is it cheese, cracker, chutney, <laughs> butter? Are no, they the four sure, districts? Look, this is lazy because no, they're all, they all get on with each other. Surely it's. Surely it's different cheeses and we're just playing into national stereotypes here. And you have like a French cheese that's very French and you have like a cheddar who's very British. Mm -hmm. And they sort of, maybe there's sort of like, you know, the class system is recreated as well. So you've got like a really posh sort of camembert, but you've also got like baby bell. Or John, hear me out. There's two districts, chalk and cheese. (laughs) This is good stuff. and 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 a chalk lady falls in love with a cheese man. And it's kind of Romeo and Juliet vibes. I love that. There you go. They've, they've got nothing in common. They're like, and then they, they can't think yeah. of a thing to say because they don't have that frame <laughs> of reference. Oh man, I love that. There you go. That's good stuff. Hey, how about this one from Dan? Sixth Sense and Sensibility. I mean, that feels like, you know, remember they did like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Mm. It's kind of in that world, isn't it? Just lots yeah. of ghosts, ghosts going around period drama England. So the interesting thing, obviously, is a lot of the time ghosts will be period characters, but in a period mm. time they don't have. So they got like, have they got you know, I like don't know, they got like ghost. Vikings and yeah. yeah, and Anglo-Saxon ghosts walking around. You don't hear don't enough Anglo-Saxon ghosts. No, ghosts only really. They seem to have had a really big spell in the Victorian era, and they, but you also don't hear about modern ghosts. No, not at <laughs> there's all. No, like, well, there's no like skate. There's no like skateboarding ghosts. Not have you ever heard of a skate? But then I guess. That's because a skateboard can't die. <laughs> so that they they might you might have skateboarders, but they don't take the skateboard into the afterlife. No, unless wait, like, no. But then you're based on your logic, Joe. Every ghost is just naked clothes. walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's check my internet history. And you'll find lots of posts on Reddit that's just under the title Ghost Shouldn't Wear Clothes. <laughs> I stand by it. And you can vote for me in the local elections on May the fourth. <laughs> that's a really good point though, Joe. Very well made. Well, is it like the Egyptians? You know, when they get buried with all their favourite things? Mm. Their Game so, yeah. Boy. So I think you can have a skateboarding ghost, Joel. Don't you worry about it. Well, well I'd like one. Oh, my God. On the subject of ga- being buried with your Game Boy, I'm absolutely addicted to this YouTube where it's a YouTube short. It's probably on TikTok as well called DK Oldies. And it's just a mm. man. It's Well, it's a warehouse and they sell retro games. And he just packages orders of retro games and he just shows oh. you the order and he packages them. And you just see like a snares with like Mario oh. or like a N60, like one of those plastic lime N64s with golden eye. Oh, absolutely uh, love it. That, that sounds like sort of boring nerd shit, John. Could you send me a link after this recording just so I know <laughs> to block it so I can never see that come off on my feed, please? Thank you. That'd be great. Um, hey, John, would you like to hear our ideas from us? I I would love to hear them. Okay, here's my idea from me. The It's Not Unusual Suspects. Tom Jones pulls off a dangerous heist. I love it. I, I figured like he had long Vegas residencies in the 60s. 
So he would be the ideal candidate to rob the Bellagio or somewhere, right? Because he's in there all the time. A hundred percent. And there's that fact, isn't there, about Ocean's Eleven that they had to offer it to Frank Sinatra in his 70s because he was in the original? Yeah, must, I think he signed on for the sequel when they made the original film or something, which was really funny. So, I wish he said yes. I love Ocean's Eleven, but it'd be much funnier if he said yes. <laughs> Just an OAP Sinatra in the middle of it all. And he'd said he wants the role of the acrobat. Oh yeah, of course. Frank Sinatra demands that he plays like the contortionist acrobat. Be great stuff. So with that in mind, yeah, there's definitely something about like a 60s sort of Tom Jones with the Rat Pack sort of working together to to, to rob yeah. the Bellagio. Maybe like, a, maybe like an genius. evil new casino owner comes into town and he's ruining the strip and so they mm. conspire to bring him down. Yeah, unlike all these other classy casino exactly, owners. Exactly, these classy the good ones. ones. Yeah, they're making sure their customers have a good time. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the uh, usual suspects, but the, there's a big twist at the end where the sort of meek, mild-mannered, least threatening member of the gang is revealed to be the big boss of the yeah. entire operation. The big cheese, if you will. The big chalk. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Scylla Black? Yes, that's good stuff. Scylla Black, just, head honcho. I was just trying to maybe the someone... whole Maybe the whole movie they refer to Mrs. Black. Oh. And no one knows who she is. And then in the last five minutes, still a big Scylla Black cameo. Hiya. <laughs> out of the dark. <laughs> That's great. John, give me your idea. I think this has been, I can say it again, a high quality idea episode. Have you heard about this Apple TV Plus film, Ghosted, about Anna de Armas um, ghosting yep. Chris Evans because she is a spy? Yep. Well, what about if she dies? <laughs> the reason she and doesn't he, go on the- he thinks he's been ghosted and then he starts dating the ghost? Yes, via via seance. Oh, that's really nice. There you go. That's I've Simple as that. I just think a better a better concept for a romantic comedy called Ghosted. That is better. Sex scenes or now does mm. the John does the ghost in question in this film have clothes or not? I, it's a <laughs> it's a campaign that I've been waging for a little while. Because we've specifically said that it's Anna de Armas, I think I'm gonna say that she will be clothed. Otherwise, people will tell me off. Uh, they will. But the, you know, you talk about uh, interestingly sex though, Chris Evans bollock naked the entire time, <laughs> inexplicably. Got, you give the audience what they want, and that is a naked yep. Chris Evans. Yeah, not the radio DJ, just for just in case you. Oh, that's, um, that's a shame. That's a shame. He is there as well, though. But he's just wearing clothes. He plays Chris Evans' dad. <laughs> <laughs> Inexplicably British father. But you were saying about sex with a ghost, but the film Ghost sort of has one of the most romantic sequences where they, he, she's doing pottery with a ghost right so it does it does it it is do you, you think that's one possible. of the most romantic sequences well no, no but it's definitely it's quote it's definitely like quoted when people say like famous iconic. romantic scenes in movie history yeah it's an iconic true. one for sure i'm not saying yeah, true. i'm not saying it's the one that made me feel the most romantic what does make you feel romantic john genuinely here you go joel we're gonna we uh the film if bill street could talk even though a lot of the story Ooh. is about is a horrible st- sort of story about mm. um you know racial issues in America. The romance story in the middle of that film is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen on in film. Everyone oh, should watch it. There we go. Lovely and very earnest. And uh, on that note, John, I, I can't have that much. That's too earnest for the show. So let's so, decide yeah. a winner. Let's decide a winner and move on. I think I, I think my vote would go lock, stock, and two smoking barrels because. It's the Alison Hammond reveal. And that I might, think that might really, be your greatest ever work on uh, on Dream Factory. And I <laughs> and I do think it's a really solid pun. It is a great pun. We obviously come to expect from Beck. Yeah, the best of the best. Stay tuned.
Well done, John. Well done, Joe. Do you want to say something came in to interrupt us or we just... Oh, bloody hell, did it? It was only Alison Hammond. (laughs) Of course. And she was singing a song from Les Mis so perfectly that we couldn't clear the copyright of it. And so I had to to gag her. (laughs) But we will talk to her after. If you keep listening... We'll get her on as a guest at some point. She keeps asking... And we kind of said to her, well, we've sort of, we've stopped really doing the guest thing. And every week she'll say, this week, are you bringing the guest back? One day, Alison, we know you're we, out there listening. We made such a colossal mistake on last week's episode that I need to bring it up. But I've also recorded an apology that goes out before the episode. So now if you listen to it, it starts with an apology. It was probably me. me, wasn't it? It was both of us. We were talking about James Marsden and how he seems the most superhero ready out of the Jameses in the film Avengers James, and is there a, James. is there a, is there a really obvious James that plays a superhero? No, no, no. James Marsden plays Cyclops in the X Men movies. <laughs> well, then we were right. Yeah, but we both were like, we were like, yeah, it's weird that he's not done a superhero role. He's actually really well he's has Cyclops. Yeah, and also when we were talking about the Jameses, I immediately said that James Marsden was the best out of the bunch, ignoring the fact that James Earl Jones was one of the options who. Is clearly yeah. the best James of those options. So it was just, there were just a lot of mistakes that were made. But I think this week we made almost no mistakes, famous last I think it was completely seamless. There won't be a single edit in that episode, John. Just stick it straight up. Have you been consuming anything? Have you done anything of, of note? Anything fun to chat, to talk, to chat about? Yeah, Let's have I, some chat. I, I feel like I say this every week, John, but it's busy football time. So I haven't watched anything mm. because I watched football for the last seven days, including three times live in the flesh. Oh wow! And I and yesterday I did get to, I did on on a friend's company dime. I went to Wembley for the FA Cup semi final, and I got to go to the corporate bit where there's free food, and I ate four dinners. Of course, <laughs> I and just didn't want to. I felt I didn't want to not have one of the dinners. And then at the end, after the game, there were pies, and I ate four pies in three minutes. How do you feel about all of that meat information? Pies. Chicken and mushroom pie, yeah. And are we talk. What are we talking? Like a proper pie size? Uh, I'd say half pie size. Nice. All good food, or just you just all ate it because f- it's free. The food was all great. Well, I think it was, it was, yeah, I think it was good. It's extra, t- it's extra tasty when it's free. We what, all know what you spo- Yeah, what are you supposed to do? when If you're presented with unlimited free food for three hours, there's not, there's not really much else to do. So that's what I, that's what I did. And I, um, I, feel, I feel so tired today. <laughs> there is a, uh, this, this is a, a inc- oh no. All right, in a TV, I was going to say the show, but I'm just going to say in a recent episode of a show, they, they there is a wake and they criticise one a character for having an enormous plate of food, and I, that's me. What do yeah, you want me 100%, to do? hundred percent. That's how I grieve. <laughs> yeah, copious <laughs> amounts of food. All right. Yeah, it's the grief feast. <laughs> uh, um, what about you, John? What have you been enjoying? That actually that reminds me of on uh, an episode of. Off menu. I think it might have been the podcast mashup episode uh, where James. No, it's not. No, 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 it's not. It's the episode with the handsome Irish guy that everybody loves. Oh, uh, Paul Mescal. The Paul Mescal episode. They talk about like uh, vices, and and James Acaster talks about the fact that he was like walking to the corner shop to buy a big tub of ice cream because something bad had happened, and he was like, "I'm so glad something terrible happened so I can go buy this <laughs> ice cream guilt free." And you know, there's some truth in that. Yeah. Anyway, um. The thing that I have consumed is, I, I messaged you about it on, on Friday, I think, Joel, uh, The Debutante, which is the new John Ronson thing. I, I got oh, a month yeah. subscription to Audible because I knew I could do it. 
in a weekend easily. So John Ronson is like, you know, the lazy, th- if you, you don't know him, the lazy sort of comparison is he's sort of occupied in the past a similar, spe- a similar space to Louis Theroux, mm-hmm. although that is a lazy comparison. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's really interesting. So Louis Theroux's definitely gone much more entertainment and light. And John Ronson yeah. has gone much, the opposite yeah. direction has gone much dark, like darker in his storytelling. They've sort of, they've, they're, if there were comparisons to be made in the past, they've actually really distanced themselves from each other. Anyway, yeah, the debutant is about the nineties in Tulsa about Carol Howe, who was a, this rich debutant lady who basically joined a neo-Nazi group and the, the, the sort of ramifications of that. But yeah, it's really good. It's much more straightforward than anything John Rodson's done recently. I'd say much more sort of straightforward, you know, sort of oh, true nice. crime story, but still really, really good because it's John Rodson. You know, you know yeah. what you're getting. So yeah, oh, cool. And, good and, wreck. And I would say, based on his track record, in a few months it will be available hmm. everywhere. So yeah, it, you know, I might bring it up again when it's when it's publicly available because if you don't have eight pounds to spare, that is completely understandable. Yeah, nice. Well done, John. Well done, everyone. More Dream Factory. Same time next time. Bye. Send the guys a movie idea. Tell your friends that you like the show. Follow us on social media. Then you'll be the best listener.